0: Today, my sermon will will be given a title, Yes, God Chose You. Yes, God Chose You. And this is not by happenstance. This message is intentional and for someone prophetic. It's time to accept, embrace, and walk in your calling. And if he's talking to you, you're starting to get an idea right about now. God is much more patient than I ever thought that he would be with those of us who find creative ways to continue to say yes, no, maybe later, instead of just a straight yes. Wherever you say, Lord, whatever you say, Lord. Amen? Amen. But for someone, today is your due date. When a woman is pregnant, she has a due date, a date that the baby is supposed to come forward. But for someone, today is the day that your ministry, your walking really in it, needs to be birthed. Amen? Amen. Your calling, what he said you are supposed to do on this earth. Amen? For him. Amen. Today, for someone, it's an expiration date on your reasons, your justifications excuses doubts and delays for somebody this is your time to get in synchrony with God's time amen Amen. we will take as a text the book of Genesis chapter 48 verses 13 through 20 where we find brother Joseph has provided for his family by Virtue of the fact that God placed him as a second in command over all things in Egypt. And his father has assumed him dead for many years. He figured he would never see his son again. And yet, to his surprise and his amazement, not only does he get to see his son Joseph, but he's got two grandchildren, all right. Two grandsons, way more than he ever thought that he would get. Are you with me? He was so impressed by it that he claimed them as his own. And he said, I will bless both of them. And so, not just blessing Joseph so that he would become a tribe, but he was going to bless Ephraim and Manasseh also, so you got a double blessing. And this is a great, great moment where we're going to end up with two tribes instead of one. That's how God works when you do his will. Amen? Amen. So this man was so grateful to see his son and to see that he was not dead. And to see that he had these two grandchildren, that he wanted to pass on the mantle to not one, but two. All the other brothers, the older brothers of Joseph, they got named into one tribe, but Joseph had the double blessing. So let's go to our text. I thought for a minute about promising that this one would be short because I think it might. But every time I say that, somehow, some way, right. the times I say that they're going to be shorter, they end up longer. Right. Amen? Amen? And so we're here in the book of Genesis, chapter 48, again, verses 13 through 20. I might throw 21 in there. But we are talking about this event where Joseph... He is meeting with his father, and he's bringing his two sons to his father Israel, formerly known as Jacob. Verse 13, and Joseph took them both. These are both of his sons, Ephraim in his right hand, and Manasseh in his left hand, toward Israel's right hand. And brought them near unto him. Now, if we could do a, a demonstration to get you to see what I'm talking about, if Brother Melvin, can you help me? Can you just get a couple of the young ones? It doesn't matter which ones. And I want you to bring them toward me. I'm Israel. Amen. You are Joseph. Amen. And so you're bringing Ephraim toward my right hand, your left side, and you're bringing Manasseh. Amen. Rather, it's the other way around. Manasseh is on your left, my right, and Ephraim is on the left of me. Amen? Amen? And the reason why you are bringing them that way is very, very intentional. For one, I am almost blind, just like your father used to be when he got old. And you've got to bring them to me because I can't come to you. At least that's what you believe but you're bringing them so that the older one is to my right because that's where the greatest blessing comes, through my right hand. And you're bringing the younger one to my left, your right, because you want that one to get the lesser blessing. Amen? Amen. Because that's how we do things, right? That's man's tradition. And so he brings them so that I can put the right hand on Manasseh and the left hand on Ephraim. Amen? Amen. Amen. Everybody understand what's going on now? So he brought them that way for a reason. Because according to man's tradition, he is to be invested in the eldest. But let's go to verse 14, where it says, And Israel stretched out his hand. Amen, his right hand. And he laid it upon whose head? Ephraim's head. Who was what? The younger. And his left hand upon whose? Manasseh's head. And what does it say after that? Amen. Amen. Wittingly, meaning prudently, meaning showing that he had He comprehended and he had insight as to why his son brought his grandsons the way that he did. Oh, he was blind, but he was not dumb. He knew that he had a prophetic blessing coming from God for these two grandsons that he thought he'd never, ever see. So wittingly, he placed his hands. What he did was Joseph wanted Manasseh to get the right hand blessing and he wanted Ephraim to get the second son blessing. But what Israel did is he wittingly crossed his arms because he knew which one was supposed to get the most special blessing. He made sure that what God's will was was going to happen. Amen? No matter what Joseph thought, God's will was going to be done. No matter what we thought, think, no matter what our naysayers say, God's will will be done in our lives if we avail ourselves of his will. Amen? Amen. So he crossed his arms. And if you look at verses 15 and 16, this is where he blesses Joseph. And we're not going to focus on that today. We're going to skip on down to verse 17 to see what happens as it relates to these two grandsons. Amen. Amen. And so when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, the younger son, it what? Displeased him. He was some kind of upset. And what did he do? He held up his father's hand and removed it from Ephraim's head and moved it over to Manasseh. So here he is. He's doing this. Oh, you know, Father, you, you, you must have it all wrong. You must be confused. Maybe you're more blind than I thought. And so he lifted his hand to put it on the one that he wanted it to be on. And yet, we already know that his father, Israel, did what he did wittingly, prudently, consciously, knowingly, because God's will must be done. Amen? Amen. So he moved his hand and tried to put it on the head of the one that he thought should be. Verse 18, it says, And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thine right hand upon his head. Amen? Amen? This was important to Joseph. Why? The same reason it was important to Isaac, amen? And yet the firstborn son did not get the blessing. There was lots of trickery in that one. But God's will was going to be done prophetically, Amen? amen? But there was a great deal of pride and investment in the firstborn son. They were supposed to get the main inheritance. They were supposed to lead the family if the father died. They were supposed to get The most, the best prophetic blessing. That's how it was supposed to work. So Joseph is outdone. He's thinking, maybe my father is not just blind, maybe he's also confused. Let me just tell you, God's not confused, and neither was this man. Amen? Let's look at verse 19. And we see that his father, that is Israel, he what? He refused. And he said, I know it, my son. I know it. He also shall become a people. Talking about Manasseh. He also shall become a people. You can be reassured. Your firstborn son will become a people. And he also shall be great. He says, but truly This is a prophetic fact is what he's trying to say. This is no doubt it has to go this way. Truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. He's saying, I know your concern. I get it. I lived through it myself. I understand your perspective. I get it. I've been there myself. I know why you're so upset because I'm messing up the human program. But this, God's will, is not optional. You can try to move my hands all you want. God's will is not optional. This was a prophetic fact. It had to go the way that God planned it to go. It doesn't matter who came out of the womb first. Amen? We go on to verses 20. It says, and he basically went on about God's business. And he blessed them that day, saying, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh, meaning in front of Manasseh, uh, symbolically giving him the better, the higher, the more highly blessed position. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. Amen. So what is it that God wants you to learn from this section of Scripture? Does he he want you to know simply that Israel found his son and and, and found out he had two grandchildren? No, that's important for you to know historically. But that's not the lesson. The lesson that we need to learn from this and apply it to our lives is that God means what he says. God knows what he is doing, and he knew what he was doing when he called you. Amen? Amen. And God is not limited by, nor is he swayed by, man's way of doing things. He is not swayed by man's traditions, man's logical way of thinking, man's preferences. You may have a favorite son, but God has marked those that are his. So it doesn't matter what you think, it doesn't matter what people think, God's will is going to come to pass. Even it doesn't matter what you think about yourself. We have some folks that the main thing that holds them back is what they think about themselves. Now, they may have had some help by somebody that was supposed to love them early on, messing their head up. They may have had some help by life circumstances and them incorporating that and starting to look down on what God says is great and calling it lesser. But You may look down and you may doubt how you stack up against other people that you unfortunately compare yourselves to. But the message today is God called you. God chose you. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was getting. He called you and he meant it. You may want to use excuses. But he knew what he meant. Amen. He knew what he was getting, and that was you, amen? Amen. He knew when he declared what you were supposed to do and what you were supposed to be, he knew who he was talking about. Israel also knew exactly how this worked because he had gotten the blessing when his brother Esau was supposed to. He knew how it worked. This is just like David. Was David supposed to be the king by man's way of thinking? Absolutely not. He was not the oldest. He was not the most rugged looking. He was not the, he was not the favored one. He was not the most handsome. He was not the father's favorite. He was not the father's choice. And yet God said, I'm going to choose me a king after my own heart. So it didn't matter. What Samuel thought it didn't matter what Jesse thought it didn't matter what Saul might have thought God said David is going to be my king. We need to learn from these examples Amen? amen. We could go on and on and on there's so many examples. Did God choose Isaac over Ishmael? Yes he did. That was the son of promise. Ishmael was the oldest son out of the loins of Moses. But they didn't really pay attention to what God was talking about because he also wanted it to come from the loins of Sarah. She laughed about it, but it was no joke. Moses, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Abraham laughed about it, but it was no joke. God meant what he meant. Amen. Amen. God also chose Moses, the stuttering ex-murderer. Couldn't speak well had committed murder, but that was in his what? His past. God chose Moses. He could have chosen his articulate, well-spoken brother. But why did he? We'll never know that. The point is, God chose Moses. Man would have chosen his brother Aaron. God chose Moses. God chose Gideon despite the fact that he had no confidence in himself whatsoever. He couldn't say a good thing about himself if you paid him to. God said he was a mighty man of valor. He thought he was nothing. But God chose him. And God, therefore, made sure he had everything that he needed, and God was patient with that man. God made sure That in the end, his words would come true. He would be a mighty man of valor. Are you with me? We can go on and say that God chose Deborah. Even though there had never prior to that been a woman, a female judge over God's people. God chose Deborah. Deborah, who among you think that you can't step up and do what God has told you to do because you're worried that folks are going to say a woman shouldn't do that. A woman can't do that. God chose Deborah. And so if you're a woman and you're struggling with those issues, if you're afraid to step out on faith and do what God has called you to do, if if you're if you're if you're if you're toiling in the background and you should be in the forefront. God says today is your due date. God says today is the expiration date on all of your excuses and doubts. Today is that day for somebody. I'm just a messenger. I'm just saying what God wants to be said today, amen? So if you are a female, if you're an ex-murderer, if you're not so articulate, if you're the younger one, not the older one, God says, if I called you, I meant it. And I meant what I said, and I knew who I was getting, and I knew what I wanted you to do. And if you're going to do it on your own, that wouldn't be my program. You're going to do it in my strength. I'm going to have your back. I'm going to empower you. Amen? In those hard moments, I'm going to be there to encourage you. God doesn't live by man's or work by man's program. God chose Paul. He chose Paul to be the apostle to the Gentiles, the entire rest of the world. You know that there's Jew and Gentile, right? That's it. There's two divisions. And the Jews were in one little pocket on earth. What about the rest of the earth that God created that he wanted to have saved? So the majority of the world is Gentile. And so he chose Paul, not the other 12, not the original 12, to take the gospel to those places. Now, Paul spent his entire life after his calling, defending his calling. He spent his entire life, if you pay attention to the letters, defending his calling and his apostleship. Here's the thing. All of that having to defend himself did not, he didn't use it as an excuse not to do. He spent his whole life with naysayers, his whole life fighting against the Judaizers. Look at the book of Galatians you got to be a Jew first before you can be saved. We are Jews by the adoption. We are Jews on the inside, which is the only place that matters. So he called Paul, somebody who was persecuting the church. Why? Because he wanted somebody that when you turn them on, they won't turn off. He just needed to be on the right side. But I'm saying that God chose Paul. We would have, man would have chosen one of the 12 for sure. And he had to fight. This is what, why am I telling you this? Because even if you're doing what God told you to do when you finally step, don't think it's going to be easy. Because once it gets tough, you'll start saying, well, did God really say that? Did you go back to that place? All those doubts, all those excuses, all those delays. Even though you stepped out there, you might stop when you should keep going. God called you, and he meant it, and he knew what he was getting, and he knew that he couldn't fail. So as long as you stayed in him, you're going to be all right. Amen? Amen. He had to defend his ministry his entire life, but it did not stop him is what I need you to know. Amen? Amen? Finally, Jesus, who did Jesus choose? He chose fishermen and a hated tax collector. That's who Jesus chose. Maybe in the way man sees things, maybe some of you are fishermen. Maybe you don't have a fancy clothes, fancy articulation, fancy positions. Fishermen, making a living. And he chose a tax collector, somebody that everybody hated. Who did he not choose? He didn't choose the very ones that we would have chosen. He didn't choose the very ones that thought they ought to be chosen. Yet every time they opened their mouths, they proved to God why they weren't chosen. (laughs) He didn't go to the religious status quo, the usual suspects. He chose those who could really absorb what he had to give and give it out the same way they were giving it. Not those who already had so much stuff in their head. They wanted to tell Jesus what it was all about. Jesus said from the heart of God, gleaning from the edge of the field was God's way of saying, I love you if you're a traveler. I want you to be taken care of. They wanted to make that a sin. So the traveler goes hungry, and that's supposed to be the representation of the heart of God. So they wanted to tell Jesus how things ought to be done. They didn't know the author of the word. Oh, they wrote the word down, the scribes did, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of the usual suspects believed that they were representing God, but they did not know the heart of the author of the words that they represented. That same author authored you. You were a thought before your parents ever thought of you. He knew you before you were ever conceived, and he had a plan for you before you ever came out of the womb. He knew who he was getting. He knew why he told you that he wanted you to do what he wanted you to do. He knows what he's doing. The excuses have to end. Amen? Amen? The doubts must end. The baby needs to be birthed. If we've got to induce her, we'll induce her. If we've got to preach a sermon to get you to step forward, then we'll, we'll put that Pitocin in that IV. If that's what we've got to do. He's much more patient than I would be and much more patient than I thought he was. But today is the expiration date on somebody's doubts, somebody's fears. So in spite of your doubts and your insecurities, it's you that he called. It's you that he's chosen. Are you hearing me? You may be thinking somebody else looks the part more than I do. You may be thinking somebody else is more educated than I am. Is somebody thinking that? Somebody else is more well-known. They're more popular. That's that's who the people want to get their blessing from. That's who the people want to hear. They're more popular. They're more well-known. So I'll just stay over here. God is saying those excuses have got to go, Amen? amen? Somebody else is more gifted. Can't you just see they operate in the gifts? I can't compete with that. The people have that. Why would they want me? Are you hearing me? You may say someone else is, well, they've got more experience. They've been walking in the Lord longer. So he couldn't have meant me. He couldn't want me. God is saying none of that matters. None of that matters when he calls you. Amen? Amen. So God called you on purpose, intentionally, and for a purpose he created you he gifted you there's gifts you may have that you don't even realize yet because you haven't allowed yourself to God will give you everything that you need to do what he wants you to do what's your job what's my job to accept and embrace and to walk in that calling Walk in that ministry in the power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to maximize your life. I said maximize your life. You're leaving a bunch of stuff on the table. Maximize your life. Are you hearing me? Maximize your ministry. Not halfway, not partway, not kind of, sort of, not maybe. Maximize your ministry. Maximize your gifts. He didn't give them to you for no reason. There are things to do, people to bless, lives to change. Maximize the gifts that he has given you. Maximize your contribution to the kingdom of God. Maximize your contribution to the work that he's called you to be a part of. Whatever that work is. But who I'm talking to today, the person whose due date is today, their ministry is here. For somebody else, it might be somewhere else. Today is the due date. Amen? Amen. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen. (laughs) The expiration date for the doubts and all of the deferments. Anybody know about deferments? Student loans. What does that mean? Put it off. I'll catch you later. I'll even be willing to pay more interest if that's what I got to do to put it off. It'll even be harder for me, but I'm still willing to put it off. The road may be windier and I may have to go through even more if I put, but I'm willing to put it off. The Lord is saying there's an expiration date on that stuff. And for somebody or bodies, today is that day. So it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. You may have been a murderer. You may have murdered people with your mouth. (laughs) You may have said no for quite a long time to God. You may be a woman and may think you're you're less than because somebody in the back of your mind, you're hearing somebody say that women aren't supposed to do certain things. Somebody else is more popular. Somebody else looks the part more. Somebody else is more educated. All these reasons, all these doubts. I haven't been in the Lord long enough. All these things. Paul didn't walk around with Jesus all those three years. The other apostles did. But that didn't stop Paul from writing more books in the New Testament than anybody else. God says today is the day.